Hey, I just want to say thank you for checking out this message today. I hope that it helps you, that it encourages you, and that you are able to learn a little bit more about who God is and why so many people throughout history have chosen to become followers of Jesus. If you enjoy this message and you want to hear more, you can find us on Facebook or YouTube, but ultimately you can find everything you need to know at clcwinnipeg.ca. There you can find more messages, you can find our social handles, ways to get connected to our church, and if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do that as well. And like I said before, I hope that you are encouraged by the message you're about to hear. God bless you. We are living in a time when uh, offense is becoming a very uh, prominent part of our culture. And um, offense is leading us into uh, this whole aspect of the can cancel culture or the call-out culture. And I was looking at um, some definitions of what the cancel, co cancel culture is. And here's what you'll find if you look online. It'll say something along these lines. Uh, the cancel culture or call-out culture is a modern form of ostracism. It's when a, a person, maybe a group uh, or an organization, is thrust out of social or professional circles. Uh, it could be that you are canceled from uh, social media. It could be that you're canceled from uh, being online. Or it could mean that uh, it's a personal thing where you lose a job. You're thrown out of the workplace. And we've seen situations where people have acted inappropriately in their private lives, made some uh, derogatory statements about somebody, and away from work, away from work responsibilities, and ended up losing their jobs as a result of it, as they got called out. And so it, it could be uh, something that somebody said that is maybe not politically correct, not acceptable. Uh, it could be something that um, somebody's written. It could be an opinion. It can be an action. It could be deeply held beliefs that cause people to be, to be canceled today. So we are living in a day when the cancel culture is very prevalent. And a lot of the times it starts with an offense. Somebody feeling offended by something somebody else said or did. And so we're grappling with this new reality in our culture of how do we handle differing opinions, differing beliefs, um, differing viewpoints, different ideas. How do we handle that? And we are seeing people's careers imploding. We're seeing uh, we're seeing charities, we're seeing businesses, companies uh, literally getting destroyed because of the cancel culture. And um, it's a serious thing. And we've been doing this, this series for the last few weeks on relationships. And today I want to I talk to you about forgiveness. Now, that almost is unspoken of today 
in, in this culture where offense is, um, I don't know, it's just such a, a part of our modern day psyche. It's, it's so much a part of our culture today of, of being offended and then calling out a person or, or calling for their removal or their firing or whatever. Forgiveness is something we don't really hear a lot of talk about. And I can't recall a time, certainly in my life, when forgiveness has been such an important topic to talk about. Um, how do we approach forgiveness? How do we include it in our life script? What does it mean? How do we live it out? Um, are we past the forgiveness? Are we done with it? Is it, is it, is it out of date? Um, or is it something that still should be part of our lives? Um, do we move right to, to cancellation and, and right past any sort of reconciliation or forgiveness? Do we all personally carry offenses and walk around being offended? Or do we walk around through life with a sense of grace, mercy, and forgiveness. Well, I want to read a passage of scripture to you today that is, I think, quite profound. And it has to do with Christ on the cross. And it's found in Luke chapter 23, verse 32 and following. Listen to what it says. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. And when they came to the place called the Skull, where there, there they were crucified with him, and one was on his right and the other was on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And the people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him, and they said, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. And the soldiers also came up and, and mocked him, and they offered him wine vinegar, and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was written a notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for, what, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. I want to share a few thoughts with you today about forgiveness. And the first one is living out of a place of hurt. Now, many people today are living out their lives from a place of hurt, from a place of personal woundedness. When someone suffers a wound, uh, an emotional, psychological, maybe physical, um, it has deep and lasting effects on their life. It can change the course of a person's life. It can change the direction of their life. And they can live with that wound for decades as it continues to manifest itself, as it continues to, 
to um, make itself known in how we respond to and how we deal with life. And so it's easy for any of us to live out of a place of hurt. Now let me give an illustration on this. Let's say, for instance, uh, a, a person goes through a divorce. And in their marriage, they, they were betrayed, maybe they were rejected, maybe there was infidelity involved, they were cheated on, they were lied to. And so then, they get divorced, and through passage of time, they meet somebody, they fall in love, they remarry. And then they find themselves in that second marriage, responding to their new spouse from a place of hurt. They're having a hard time trusting. They're, they're questioning motives. They're afraid of being rejected. And all of these are signs that they're living out of hurt. That can happen to anybody in a number of circumstances. It could be that, that a person has had a very negative childhood. They've been rejected. They've been abused. They've been neglected. Um, and out of those childhood experiences, they respond to life through that lens as adults. And sometimes they do that for decades. And so we can, in response to that, um, develop a lifelong habit, maybe, of, of severing relationships out of a fear that we're going to be rejected. Uh, we may end up... Um, trying to control relationships or trying to control people because our lives as children were out of control and we need to feel safe. And so we try to control others. We try to control relationships. We, we put unrealistic demands on people and we live out of a place of hurt. Well, the results of that, as you would probably surmise, are never really all that great. Um, we end up oftentimes with broken relationships, with more woundedness, and um, we need to look back at the life of Christ on how we deal with hurt. And I want to talk secondly about Jesus experiencing the same hurts that we experience. How do we respond to hurt? How do we respond to offenses? How we respond is really important in our lives. Jesus gives us a, a perfect example of how to respond well. And so we read this passage of scripture about Jesus being on the cross and uttering these words, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. But let's look at what happened leading up to the cross. We see that Jesus was sold out by people that were closest to him. Sold out. I mean betrayed in the worst way. We look at a passage of scripture in, in Luke chapter 22, verse 4 and 5, and we have, we have it saying this, Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betrayed Jesus. Now let that sink in for a minute. Here's one of the 12 disciples, Jesus's treasurer, his finance guy, his money guy. 
He ate at the table with them. He broke bread with them. They, they traveled together. They did ministry together. And he is going to Jesus' opposers and having a discussion about how he can betray them. And it says they were delighted and agreed to give him money. Judas sold out his friend Jesus. Sold him out. Let that sink in. One of the 12 disciples, one of the ones from his inner circle, the one he trusted the money to, sold him out. Then we see Jesus was falsely accused. And what did they accuse him of? It says in, in 23, Luke 23, verse 2, they began to accuse him. We have found this man subverting the nation. He opposes paying taxes to Caesar and claims to be a Christ, to be the Christ, a king. And so he's committing tax fraud and he is subversive. He's trying to overthrow the leadership, the government. Well, it's, it's, that's a, a, an absolute lie. But he's falsely accused. Have you ever been lied about? Have you ever been exploited that way so that somebody could take advantage of you, gain an advantage, or, or gain some kind of a conviction? Have you ever had people actively plotting against you and saying false things about you? Jesus did. Here's another one. He was physically and emotionally abused. So they stripped him, they mocked him, they beat him, and they spit on him. In Luke chapter 22, verse 63, it says, The guards mocked and beat him, they blindfolded him, and then they demanded, Who hit you? Prophesy. Who hit you? Who was it? He was physically abused. And then we, we see also he was tortured. And I don't need to go into that, but the cross was the cruelest way that, uh, that you could die in the day. It was torture. Well, here's another one. Jesus was abandoned. He was abandoned. You ever been abandoned? You know how it feels? Jesus was. He told Peter, he said, you're going you're gonna to deny me three times. And Peter said, oh, no, I'll never do that. Three times Peter denied him. said, I, I don't know the man. Never knew him. I'm not one of them. He was abandoned. And so the question is, was Jesus offended? Well, he suffered offenses. The difference is, he didn't carry them. He didn't carry them. He didn't demand his rights. He didn't look for revenge. He didn't look for ways to get even. He was offended. But he didn't carry offenses. Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. So that happened to Jesus. Let me ask you the question. What's happened to you? What's caused pain in your life? 
How are you responding to it? Do you think Jesus understands you? Do you think Jesus understands what you're going through? See, when it comes to offenses, there's two paths that we can take. We can take cues from culture that say, cancel, get even, demand your rights. Or we can take cues from Jesus Christ, who hanging on a cross after going through all of this stuff, says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Those are the two cues we can take. Those are the two paths we can take. He forgave them. And it's interesting that Jesus never got sidetracked from his mission. Jesus never um, went against what he had purposed to do, and that was to seek and to save that which was lost. And he was consistent with that, even hanging on the cross. Third point I want to make today is um, about forgiveness and restoration. And this is where a lot of times there's confusion for us. Um, when we forgive somebody, does it necessarily mean that a relationship is restored? And the answer to that is sometimes yes and sometimes no. Forgiveness is something that we really are compelled to do. According to the scripture, we are told time and time again to forgive one another. But restoring relationship is a little bit different than that. A damaged forgiveness can happen immediately, but a damaged relationship will sometimes take a long time to heal. Forgiveness can happen immediately, but trust sometimes takes a long time to be restored in a relationship. So we look at a passage of scripture from Acts chapter 15, verse 36 to 41. And it's about Paul and Barnabas. And Here's what it says. Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word and see how they're doing. And Barnabas wanted to take John Mark, but Paul didn't want to because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and didn't continue working with them. So in other words, Paul was doing this ministry and John Mark abandoned them. And they had, the Bible says they had such a sharp dispute that they parted company. And Barnabas took John Mark and Paul took Silas. Forgiveness does not guarantee that the offender will not reoffend. Forgiveness does not guarantee that the offender has changed or will change their behavior toward you and in turn hurt you all over again. Forgiveness doesn't guarantee that. Forgiveness and trust are different. Forgiveness is something we must do, but trust is something that sometimes takes time to reestablish. And we look at the situation here. I think Paul was compelled to forgive John Mark, but trust had been broken and he's living it out in a very human way, saying, I'm not taking him. I'm not going down, down that path again. I don't trust the guy. You can have him, but I'm not taking him. Interesting. 
Paul felt that John Mark had left him high and dry. And to our knowledge, Paul and Barnabas never worked together again. They went out, they both did ministry, they both preached the gospel, but there was this incident that had happened. Now, years later, Paul comes around. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, Paul says, Get Mark, John Mark, and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. So over the years, John Mark really proved himself to be a, um, a trustworthy co-worker with Paul. And Paul actually called for him later in life. Paul had no choice but to forgive John Mark. But it took time to trust him. It took time. We can forgive and we can be reconciled, but the restoration of a relationship can take a long time, and sometimes it doesn't happen, but we can still be walking in forgiveness. We must forgive. And so here's a few questions about forgiveness. Here's one. How come I keep remembering a hurt when I've forgiven someone? Well, that's because forgiveness doesn't wipe out our memory. We still remember things that happen. It may take years to forget or to move past, but we can still have forgiven a person. Remembering a hurt is not an indicator of unforgiveness. It's, it's, it's a, a, a remembrance. It's something that's in your memory, but it doesn't mean you haven't forgiven. A better measure of when you remember something, if you've forgiven or not, you're, you're wondering, have I forgiven if I'm thinking about this? A better measure of that is how you feel. What's in your heart? What do you say? What do you speak? What do you think when you, when you remember an incident that has been forgiven. Well, here, um, do you feel angry? Do, do you feel bitter? Do you long for revenge, getting even? It, are you resentful? If those are emotions that you're feeling or words that you're expressing, then you need to go back and forgive and maybe forgive again. And there are certainly instances in people's lives where where they forgive an offense, but as they remember it, as they go through life, as they're reminded of it, they have to forgive and continue to forgive, walk in forgiveness and choose to continue to forgive. So forgiveness can be something that's positional. I forgive, but it can also be something that is progressive. I continue to forgive. I continue to walk in forgiveness. When you look at Luke chapter 6, verse 37, it says, Forgive and you'll be forgiven. And there are a number of scriptures that, that talk about the need and the expectation that we would forgive. But then in Luke chapter 17, verse 3 to 4, it says, Pay attention to yourselves. If a brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. And so what the Bible is saying here is we need to walk in forgiveness and continue to forgive and cultivate a lifestyle of forgiving people. And if it's something that, that comes up in your mind, in your memory, you continue 
to forgive as is necessary or needed. Sometimes we forgive and we need to stop and remind ourselves that we've forgiven, that we put it under, as they say, under the blood of Christ, that we have given it to Jesus, we've walked away, we've left that burden behind, and we have forgiven. So I want to conclude with these words. The most important relationship that you have is with Jesus Christ. And it's important that we have our own sins forgiven. That we come to Jesus and we say, I'm a sinner and I've offended you and I've, I've rejected you. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. That is the key to our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus died for our sins so that we can be forgiven. And it's important then that we leave our life of sin behind and we don't use God's forgiveness lightly and say, well, I'm going to just keep sinning. I'm going to just keep doing my own thing because he'll keep forgiving me. No, that is really abusing the grace of God. That's not how we're supposed to live. We don't continue to sin so that grace can abound. We get forgiven and we do our best to walk away from that sin. And when we do fall, we can come back to the Lord and, and ask forgiveness, cleansing. And likewise, as children of God, we walk in forgiveness. We continue to forgive. We live a life of forgiveness, not carrying offenses, not seeking revenge, not walking in bitterness, being sour, not holding on to resentments and past hurts, but letting them go. Letting them go. We forgive. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, help us to know the forgiveness of the Father in our own lives through Jesus Christ, who died for our sins to offer us forgiveness. Lord, we receive that forgiveness today. And help us, Lord, to forgive those who have hurt us, to forgive those who have trespassed against us, just as we have been forgiven. Give us the strength to do it and help us along the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. And we'd love to hear from you. If you would like prayer or have thoughts about this message, get in touch with us at clcwinnipeg.ca. Thanks for joining. God bless.